Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. This morning about passion. 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 And I know a lot about passion because I never used to have any. (laughs) I know you all find that very hard to believe, but that is the truth. So I just want to talk about passion this morning. And what is passion? You know, is it a hobby? Is it an interesting role? Is it something that only leaders have? Is it part of a job description? Or is it just something that we simply, it's a subject that we know a lot about, so we have passion about something. And I'd like to, oh, that's good. I've not put the scripture reference down. Oh, wow. That's, that's totally floored me. I'll read it to you. And it's about when Jesus clears the temple. And um, a lot of you know this story. But it starts in, I do know the verse. It starts in verse 13, but I don't know where the chapter is. But it was nearly the time for the Jewish celebration, Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem, and in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. And he also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. And Jesus made a whip from some ropes, and he chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattering the money changers' coins all over the floor, and turned over their tables. And then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And then the disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Now this wasn't the first time that Jesus had been to the Passover in Jerusalem. He had been there as a child, which is in Luke 2.41. But this was the first time that he had attended the Passover during his public ministry. Now, Jews came from all over Israel um, to the temple to bring bring their sacrifices. But they couldn't physically bring the animals all that way. So buying an animal for a sacrifice wasn't necessarily a problem. But moreover, the Passover time was the time for the tax. It was the annual temple tax had to be paid. And in Jesus' day, there was many coinages available. Um, The Romans had their own coins, and so did many of the kings and the city-states across the empire. There was Herodian coins, there was Phoenician coins, there was Aegean coins, there was Corinthian coins, there was Persian coins. There was all sorts of coinage. And these coinages would have been fine for any sort of offering, but for the temple tax, it had to be a Tyrian coinage from Tyre which was because it had an exact weight and a specification. And this was written in the oral law of the Jewish nation, that they had to pay by these coins. So, of course, if they came with Algerian coins, they had to get them converted or exchanged. And, of course, the chief priests controlled this whole, empire, whole enterprise, and, of course, they were getting backhanders from it. So it was a very corrupt system. And this was all taking place within the temple courts where people were meant to be 
praying and having quiet reflection and reaching out to God. And yet it, it had become a centre of commerce with coins clicking and animals baying and cows mooing and all the rest of it. And so Jesus was outraged. And it says here that um, he scattered the money. He drove everybody from the temple and he scattered the tables everywhere. And this morning I was going to tip a table over, but I thought better, better not because Woody might be annoyed with me. So, But this place became a marketplace and Jesus was angry. And the first thing about passion is that it is always verbally and physically demonstrated. You can't say that you're a passionate person if you're quiet and you're not physical about your passion. There was people with passion will demonstrate it. There's a verbal demonstration, there's a physical demonstration. And I just got this picture where Jesus is in the temple and he finds this rope and he's making this whip. You can imagine that. I mean, this wasn't gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. You know, this was, this is not, people read this scripture and think, well, this is not like Jesus. But it was, because he was passionate. He was angry that the, his father's house had been turned into a place of commerce. And so there is a thing called spiritual anger. I believe there is a place for us to be angry about what we see and what's not happening in the world today and the things that are happening in the world today. And I think that there are times when our lack of anger or our lack of passion at the great injustices that are happening in the world today and the things that are being said against God, um, for some people I just show that shows a disengagement from the reality of what God wants us to do in this world. And Jesus' anger was born out of a passion for his house. And it was a righteous anger. In Ephesians 4.26, it says this, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down whilst you're still angry. But Jesus wasn't sinning. His passion for the house of God caused him to act in that way. Um, let's have a look at another story, which is in John 11:33, which is about when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus. And I'd never seen this before. And it says, when, this is in the New Living, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. And I've never seen that before. And I looked at it in the Amplified and it says this, it says, when Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who had come with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in his spirit to the point of anger by the sorrow caused by death. And his anger, his passion, is to return the kingdom of God to its rightful state on the earth. Even if that is politically incorrect. But I stand by that. Because... When we see things that are not right, we should be angry. We should have a passion and say, that isn't right. That's not the way it should be in the kingdom. And as an aside, just as a, a little aside, some, some Bibles describe this event as the cleansing of the temple. And we need to make sure that our temples are cleansed. We need to make sure... The first thing we do today is that our temple is cleansed. But Jesus came into the world to cleanse the world. Not only the temple, but to cleanse the world. And when I see death, 
when I see decay and when I see sin and sickness and poverty and injustice, I feel angry about it. Because it isn't what God wants for his people and it's not what God wants for the world. And Jesus took it personally and I want to take it personally as well. See, these things are not part of the kingdom. We talk about the kingdom and the kingdom is not part of those things. I love that scripture. You know, when the disciples said they remembered the scripture... And a lot of people say about disciples that they knew nothing. You know, there were these teenage kids or early 20s who were just, you know, a group of uneducated fishermen. But they somehow remembered that scripture. I don't know how they remembered that scripture, but they did. And the scripture was, passion for your house will consume me. Passion. So what is passion? Passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. Uh, it's from the Greek, pathema, which means a feeling of intense enthusiasm towards or a compelling desire for someone or something. Passion. Passion can range from eager interest or an admiration in an idea, a proposal or a cause, to enthusiastically enjoy something or an activity or person. It can be a strong attraction or an excitement or an emotion towards a person. When we talk about passion, we often think about lust. But it isn't, that's not what passion is. Passion, and passion consumes us. And it's interesting that the word passion and, cons- and consume in that scripture used in the same verse. And a consume, when something consumes, it eats it up, it destroys it. And it burns like fire and it completely controls. And I thought, Lord, I want to be consumed by you. I want to be eaten up by you. I want to burn like fire and I want to be completely controlled. This year has been a tough year for me because there was a World Cup on. And uh, I've come through the World Cup fairly unscathed. But I have to confess, I did watch two games which I vowed and decreed that I wouldn't do at the start. (laughs) But I was with customers who both said, oh, I'd like to go and see the match tonight. But I I got through it. And um, it's a passion that's so consuming in some people's lives, I just really don't understand it. I really don't. And I looked at a survey that was recently done about the six most passionate activities that we get involved in. And football isn't one of them. I was amazed. (laughs) Well, the six things are music, food, I can believe that, exercise, I can't believe that, gardening, animals, Dave can believe that, and travel. Those are the six things that we're most consumed about. Uh, Not chasing a ball around a football field. And I looked, at, I looked at that list and I thought, well, what are the things that I'm interested in? What are the things that I would say that I've got a passion for? And I've got a passion for movies. I love science fiction movies. I love the work of Jerry Anderson. I love traveling, especially to Canada. Um, I love adventure novels. I love reading Clive Cussler. And I love reading biographies. And at the moment, I need to read about Bruce Forsyth and George Cole. I love a cup of tea and a piece of cake. 
And if I had to pick a sport, I like snooker. I can get quite excited about snooker. I know you find that... <laughs> Somebody once said to me that it's not a sport unless you have to change your shoes. So <laughs> and I, I love television shows like um, Downton Abbey and Star Trek and Sherlock and Designated Survivor. And I particularly like old family photos and videos. And you could all probably create a similar list of interests that capture your attention and fill your free time. But what really matters? You know, I've looked through my list and what I'm struck by is that these things are very temporal. They're temporal pleasures. As much as I love chilling whilst watching a movie and eating tea and cake, um, I know that there are more important things to focus on. So here's a list of my other passions. I am passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ and his relationship that I have with him. 34 years ago, God opened my eyes to my understanding of my standing with God. The fact that I was a sinner. And since October 1984, my life has never been the same. He took a cynical failure and I'm now blessed beyond my wildest dreams or anything that I could ever imagine. I am passionate about that. I am passionate about being a husband, a father and a grandfather. Next year, Mandy and I will be ma have been married 29 years. And every, every year is sweeter. And I'm passionate about our relationship. I'm so passionate about my two sons who are now married and have married way beyond their capability, but then <laughs> that's probably like their father. <laughs> I'm passionate about being a grandfather, about little Florrie, who has me wrapped around her little finger because I'm a poppy. I am passionate about the call of God on my life to use the skills that he's given me to influence people for Christ and to see the kingdom of God established not only in the world but in this town. I love hearing about stories where things that I've shared have changed people's lives and I've seen the word of God turn somebody's life completely around and I'm passionate about the word of God. I'm passionate about being part of this church and seeing it have a righteous influence on this town and seeing people come into all that God has for them. You know, in a time when we see people struggling with their families, with relationship issues, with identity issues, their place in the world, finance, health, provision, we should be passionate because we have the answer for these people. We have the word of life. Tilly spoke today about the word of life. We have the word of life to bring to those people and to set them free. Because God has raised us up in this town to be the answer. You see, the first list of passions is my interest, but the second things are to do with the things of God. And passions define your life. Not sports, not film preferences, but the word of God the passions I have for God will define my life. And that's how I want to be known. I don't want to be known as an authority on Star Trek, although I am. <laughs> but I don't want to be known by that. I want to be known as the man of God 
who can bring the word of God to people to set people free. Amen. And that is for all of us. That's not just for leaders. Amen. I think that the next question is, is what are you passionate about? Do you have a passion? Do you have a zeal? A strong devotion? A strong love? What consumes you? What eats you up? What burns in you like fire? What completely controls you? So what captures you? What gets your allegiance? What inspires your passion? Have you discovered the calling of God in your life? You could probably develop a list of things that you like doing, hobbies, greatest joys, things that you love doing. But beyond that, what are the most important things in your life? If you stripped all that away from your initial list, what are those things? What would remain? What are the passions in your life that really, really matter? Some of you could answer that question straight away, but some of you might need to think about it for a while. I think that there are two passions that need to be in our lives. The first is with God. And the second is our relationship with all others. And we find this in Matthew 22. Because Jesus said this in verse 37. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I was so thrilled when I read that because I thought that is so simple. Those are the two things that we need to have be passionate about. Are we satisfied with our passion for God? I'm not. And our relationship with him? I'm not. I think that there's a lot more things that I need to do to allow God to eat me up I need to allow that flood that Kate talked about to swallow me up, to destroy me in a sense. You know, John the Baptist talks about he must become greater and I must become less. And that's what passion is. It's allowing him to become greater and for us to become less. There needs to be expression in our passion in the words that we say, the way we speak and what we speak. In our actions, passion is animated. Passion is animated. You know, when we worship God, we should worship God passionately. We should raise our hands, we should clap, we should sing, we should shout. I used to be one of those people who used to stand in, my elder used to say to me, I say, well, I'm worshipping God inside. And that used to be like that. I used to stand like that and say, well, God knows my heart. But passion is something that can't be into, it can't be contained. It's like a fizzy bottle of champagne that sh shook up. The cork has to come out at some time. And it sets the direction from our lives. Passionate people know where they're going. They know what they're going to do. They've got a plan. They know where they're going to go. Marriage is such a reflection of our relationship with Christ and, our relation, and the Christ relationship with the church. And I thought about when I got married and when I was going out with Mandy. And when you first fall in love, it's all you talk about. 
I mean, I used to bore people to death talking about Mandy when I met her. She's not here, is she? she and when you first meet somebody and you fall in love with them, that's all you talk about. It is your total focus. It's what comes out of your mouth all the time because you found something of great value and you're passionate about it. And you get together on every occasion, even if it's just for a few moments, even if the journey is longer than the time you're actually together. When I first met Mandy, uh, I lived in Braunston, but don't hold that against me, and Mandy lived in Thurnby Lodge, which was the other side of town. And in those days, um, when you had a company car, you used to have to do mileage sheets, and you had to pay for your private miles. And I'd been going out with Mandy for about, th about a month or two, and my boss came to me and he said, are you seeing somebody? And I said, why do you say that, Peach? And he said, your mileage has gone right, private mileage has gone through the roof because I had to pay for this. But there was times when to drive from Braunston to Thurnby Lodge would take about 40 minutes legally. And there was times when I would go and see Mandy for 20 minutes, because I could only see her for 20 minutes. But I would drive 40 minutes each way to see her for 20 minutes. <laughs> I know. Well, I am what I am. But you know, when I, when I thought about that, that challenged me. Because sometimes we need to make the effort to be with one another and to be with God and to be with his people even though the journey might take a long time. Our communication when we, we meet somebody is constant. We never stop talking. We always had something to talk about. Um, I can tell this story, but you mustn't tell Sam and Alex I've told you this. But when Alex started to go out with Kate... They talked all the time. They were on the phone all the time. And Samuel came down to the stairs one day and he said, oh, I don't know what they have to talk about all the time. He said, they get on the phone and they're on the phone for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Don't know what they have to talk about. But it was a whole different story when Samuel met Liv. And he did go to us and he said, I now understand what they had to talk about all the time. There's constant communication when we're passionate about somebody or something. We're totally interested in the other person. We don't ignore them. We're interested in everything that's about them, interested about everything, every part of their life. We want to get so involved in what they're doing. And we can almost, in a sense, and hear me right now, we can almost exclude others. We become so focused on that person. But, you know, God wants us to exclude things out of our lives that we probably shouldn't be dabbling in because we want him to be the focus. So what needs to change so it become that he becomes the focus of our lives? He must be the thing that drives us. He must be the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning. One common, common misconception about passion, it's a thing that you have to find. And I don't believe that. And for some people, they say, well, I'm simply not a passionate person. Well, we all have a passion for something. We all have a passion for something. Something that is a distraction for us. And I want the only distraction in my life to be God, the kingdom of God, and the things of God. Amen. You know, passion is created because it's inherently within all of us. And our role is simply to identify it and to uncover it and to act upon it and to give it space to breathe in our lives. Um, 
you know, we was back in 1988, um, I think Dave was around then, Mandy and I was in the same church, and we used to walk past each other every Sunday, never speak, because we didn't know each other. But all of a sudden, there was a passion created, there was interest, there was a, a desire to develop something, and here we are 30 years later. I want people to remember me as a passionate man of God. You know, how do people see you? Do they see you as a Bible basher? A God-botherer? A man of God? Woody gave me that idea. A God-botherer, a man of God, or someone who's a kind, compassionate, and generous Christian. Because how people will see you, how they see your passion, will have an effect on them. And that's what we want to accomplish in this town. People see us as people of passion, it will have an effect. I want to say to the men here this morning, your passion for God will influence your family. It will influence your wife, and it will influence your children. If you want your children to grow up in the ways of God, be passionate. Set an example. God will use your passion to influence others. We've all heard of Steve Jobs, who started um, Apple. And he wrote a book called The Seven, Secret, the Seven Success Principles of Steve Jobs. A bit self-proclaiming, self, uh, but he wrote this book. And one of the things he put in this book was, he said that people with passion can change the world for a better place. People with passion can change the world for a better place. And Jobs claimed that the passion he had for his work made all the difference. And that's what we need to be. Because people with passion can change Market Harbour for the better. People with passion can change Market Harbour for the better. In closing, we could talk all day about how to develop a passion for God, his word, his worship, worshipping, serving in one another. And we've done that many times. But I think today what we need to do is evaluate our current position and choose to move forwards. Um, I want you to see that passion is good. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's not something that is almost unavoidable or we try to avoid it. But it influences people and it has, it, it's possible in your life. Yeah, I'm not looking up. Yes, in your life. I want to finish with this scripture. In Luke 24, it talks about the road to Emmaus. And I love that little verse that says, And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the way and while he opened up the scriptures? And today you may be crying out to God. You may be saying, Father, I once experienced your presence and passion but now my heart has grown cold. And like the disciples travelling to the village of Emmaus, we, for them it was an in, incapability to perceive the presence of Jesus. And it, oftentimes we get to these places because it stems from despair, apathy, inactivity, mulling over what we've lost or what we don't have. But Jesus said this, he said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness and don't leave today until you've settled that in your heart evaluate 
where your passions are. What are the things that are driving you forward? And does there need to be an adjustment in our lives that we make him the centre of everything that we do? There's a song we used to sing many years ago, and it was, Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. Father, I just pray that, that we could just take a few moments now to evaluate our lives, to see the things that are of passion in our lives, to see the things that are drawing us away from you. And Lord, I just pray that as this week, as we go away, Lord, that we make some adjustments in our lives, that we look at the things that are in front of you and bring them to the back and make you the preeminence, Lord, in everything that we do. And Father, I just pray that for all of us, Lord, that we see that our passion has an influence in the world. That, Lord, as passionate people, passionate for your kingdom, passionate for the things of God, that these things will have an effect on those around us, both within this body and without and outside these walls. And that, Lord, we would see your kingdom established more and more, day by day, in this town. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.